0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
1: I feel bad. You wouldn't say that.
0: (laughs) NBA Finals game one. The Warriors drop it 120 to 108. Welcome to another episode of the Warriors 24-7 podcast. Brandon Cadiz here alongside me, of course, Javier Landoverde back this week to join us. The Warriors make their sixth NBA Finals appearance in eight years. The first NBA Finals in San Francisco's history, even going back to the old NBA days. And the 75th anniversary, we get Boston and Golden State. And last night was not short of anything we did not expect because Warriors and Celtics went down to the wire and ultimately Boston closed it out, Javi, and they went on an incredible fourth quarter run.
1: Yeah, Brandon, yesterday's game was exciting. Uh, it's great to see both of these teams making it to the finals. I do believe these two teams were not favored uh, during last season as making it to a finals. And it's just glad to see, you know, two great teams, like her said, like they drafted their players and they build up the, the players and the team. So it's, it's good to see both teams in the finals.
0: Yeah. And there was that uh, stat yesterday that, man, I forgot what the name of it is 535, 735, whatever the company was, that they gave the Warriors only less than 20% chance to win the NBA finals. And after game one, Early on, at least in the first half, we said, hey, the Warriors, you mentioned, these are two teams that weren't favored coming into the season to make it to the NBA Finals. We know the Warriors dealt with injuries. I mean, even before the season started, I had the Warriors finishing in the bottom of the West from the fifth spot to the eighth spot. And then the Boston Celtics at one point in the season, Javi, they were under 500 and now they're up here in the NBA Finals. So great stories for both teams, but great coaching last night to head coach Imi Udoka of the Boston Celtics. We'll get to a little bit of his strategy and his adjustment a little later on. But as always, we got to talk about our sponsor in Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports development, including this year's basketball championship finals, the NBA finals the NHL Hockey Conference Finals, Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code B L E A V to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online where the game starts and trying to find the odds on favorite right now. And after game one, we got to say, Javi, Celtics have stolen game one and are headed into game two, looking to be up 2-0. It has to be a must-win game for Golden State to stay alive here, getting that victory in game two on Sunday.
1: Yeah, I agree, Brandon. Uh, We we could break it down, but, uh, yeah, a lot of things to factor in – both coaches, the way they strategize, but it's definitely a must win for the Warriors for game two. Um, And coming into the series, uh, Boston actually was ranked high as one of the best teams um, with an away record. They have eight wins, two losses so far on the road, and that's, I believe, the best in the NBA so far. And I think they have a chance to actually have the best record for the most NBA playoff history. On the road, wins uh, possibly tying the 1995 Rockets with the nine wins and three losses.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely weird to see a team do better on the road than they do at home. So the Warriors have the advantage if this series shifts to Boston. Both teams in the regular season won at each other's home court, and Boston is only five and four at the TD Garden in this NBA playoffs. So the Warriors. You know, win game two, steal a game there in Boston, could come back here to Chase Center up 3-1 for game five and ultimately still close it out in five games. But, Hobby, let's head on to that fourth quarter and look at the stats so last night. The Golden State Warriors were outscored 40-16 to 16 in the final frame, and the Warriors were up as much as 15 points in that third quarter. Heading into the fourth, they were up by 12, 92 to eighty but the end of the third quarter and the middle and the last six minutes of the fourth quarter was what ultimately denied the Warriors of this victory where they had a huge lead.
1: Yeah, Brandon. So like Draymond said, I think they felt that they controlled the whole game. uh, And we saw from Curry starting off hot in the first quarter and transitioning through the second quarter and third quarter, but in the fourth quarter, Everything started by, you know, the mismatches Boston were targeting. Uh, I believe uh, they they targeted Jordan Poole early in the fourth quarter with always having mismatches with Jalen Brown. But Jalen Brown did terrific, Brandon, in the fourth quarter. He was the one setting the turn, tone early. And it wasn't until that three-minute, four-minute spurt of the role players that were making all the shots that we're not accustomed to seeing.
0: And I think that's that's – That's credit to Boston for hitting those shots. Um, We knew coming into this game, Boston is a type of team that likes to switch everything. um, Prior to uh, having the screen set up for the Warriors, and they like to switch on-ball screens as well. But early on, they had a more of a sag-off approach where it's let Curry get that space, and that's why he was able to cook early on. And head coach Imi Yudoka for the Boston Celtics later on said they had to make that adjustment, switching everything. Uh, pre-ball movement and switching everything on those screens, and it played dividend to the Celtics coming back into this contest. I really want to note there is Al Horford in the fourth quarter, right? Al Horford coming into this game shot over forty-five percent from beyond the arc. I know it's a know-your-personnel type of game coming into it. You scout players, um, how you want to attack them. For example, Draymond Green. There was a lot of opportunities in which Draymond Green made a business decision to sag off and just let Al Horford shoot the three. I think the difference in game number two is you switch Draymond Green off of someone not off of someone um, like Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. Switch him out to from Al Horford because Al Horford is a big that can pick and pop. And you want Draymond Green more active on defense. That's something I'd like to see. So put him on a tougher matchup to get him more active into this contest.
1: Yeah, I agree, Brandon. And these role players, they made their shots. Um, You know, these are shots that the Warriors have been either giving up or contesting throughout the whole playoffs. We've seen Aaron Gordon struggle. We've seen uh, Reggie Bullock struggle to make those shots. Uh, Dillian Brooks struggled to make their shots, so it was part of their game plan. It's just this time they made it. And the uh, biggest anomaly, though, for this game, Brandon, is that both Al Horford and White matched some of their career highlights for this game. Uh, Horford made six threes. White made five threes, and you know White tied tied his highest you know career made threes for the playoffs and regular season and. Horford made the most made threes in his career. So, you know, that's a big anomaly, but it's just such a weird scenario that in this game, one of the finals, you know, those two guys definitely step up. They're not afraid to make those shots. And that's what separated us from that fourth quarter.
0: It was very uncharacteristic for the Golden State Warriors. Early on, they did a great job, I think, in being able to close out on the shooters, but there was a lot of open three-pointers and, Heading into that start of the fourth, Jalen Brown hit a three-pointer um, early on. He went on a 5-0 run, and then the first nine points of that fourth quarter were assisted or scored by Jalen Brown himself. And the Celtics in the fourth shot 68% from the field, 75%, 9 of 12 from beyond the arc. And there was a, going back and watching the film this morning, there was a lot of ball watching, whether it was Andrew Wiggins or Jordan Poole. And even Draymond Green, there was a lot of situations where they're not crossing out, they're not switching and closing out on these open three-point shooters. And if that was a game plan by Steve Kerr, like I said, KYP, know your personnel, it needs to change. And the fact of the matter is that you can't let them hit open threes like they were at the end of the third quarter because that just builds confidence. Even if it was contested threes like Derek White had in the fourth quarter, man, once those threes, once you see... Your shot falling in. I don't care who you are. You're going to build that confidence. And Horford, Pritchard, and Smart all combined for 15 of 23 from beyond the arc. That's 65% of the – that's 65% shooting percentage from beyond the arc, Javi.
1: Yeah, Brandon. Uh, we'll, we'll see if Boston continues to shoot it this way. Uh, you know, I think for them personally, they, they their, their game plan was mainly focused on Jason Tatum. Um, and then, you know, but we'll see how game two, the adjustments, I I agree with you with the adjustments they will make, uh, we're not sure, you know, what, what are the reasons why that was part of the game plan to sag off the shooters or not, uh, could be possibly from just finals, um, you know, being back to the finals, you know, that definitely changes players sleep pattern, uh, the way they practice and train with the media coverage, um, being on court and off court. So it will be interesting, but I do think that the Warriors will adjust in game two, and they'll probably be watching film and see what are the mistakes they can't fix for game two, Brandon.
0: Yeah, and on that note, again, on not closing out on their shooters, Horford's four of the six threes that he made were wide open, and only two of them were lately contested, and that means closing out late. I remember one where Wiggins... Close out late, and also, Javi, I think the point here is that the Warriors need to switch things up. In that fourth and final frame, they played a lot of zone there in that final period, and I think they need to switch it up with going to man as well, and watching film and watching a breakdown um, on YouTube, actually, a really great breakdown, I forgot the YouTuber, but in the first two games in the series against the Miami Heat, the Heat caused the Celtics into... 26, 27 steals in two games, and that's how Miami was able to take a commanding lead there in that series early on. They played in an aggressive type of zone, and the Warriors need to move up their two guys on the wings, whether it's the 3-2 zone or the 1-2-2. The first three people need to step up there into those passing lanes and move the low guy into the center block there. Uh, it was an aggressive way of playing getting into the passing lanes and also being able to dictate a blitzes and hard hedges i want to see more of that i don't think the warriors were as aggressive last night defensively
1: yeah i don't think so either brandon uh i thought too an interesting fact for for the for the first game is that boston ended up making uh converting more points from assists than the warriors they finished off with 33 assists for the game compared to the Warriors 24 assists for the game they and I thought that game yeah I thought Boston they I don't know whether it was a game plan but they did fix their turnover issues they had with Miami where they over dribble um, into traps um, and they turned the ball over like in the Miami series and we saw more of actually Boston kind of don't want to say copy the motion offense, but they were definitely passing the ball much better without dribbling much. And I think, you know, like we discussed that these shooters made their shots. They all came from weak side help um, from the Warriors and breaking down their, their defense and just making those converted wide open shots um, definitely helped. But it's interesting. I, 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 you know, I was watching the Boston and I don't know if that was part of their game plan, but they definitely did not try to over dribble and make those mistakes. Uh, We'll see if they'll continue to do so or not um, in game two and whether Warriors can also game plan, um, whether they would allow them to kind of dribble into more into the paint uh, to see if they could get some turnovers.
0: Yeah, that's a great point there. And I think in game three and four of that Miami series, that's what really changed how Boston played. They were able to adjust and, Coach Yudoka is great at adjusting. Even early on in the first half of the NBA Finals against the Warriors, I saw a Boston team that wasn't really moving a lot. Boston's not known as a off-ball movement team, like the motion offense, like the Golden State Warriors have. And it was evident there when the Warriors were just pounding them in the first quarter. But later on, uh, they made those adjustments. And whether it was Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown going ISO, both of them remind me of LeBron James and the way that they passed the ball, especially Jason Tatum last night. 13 assists for Tatum on only two turnovers. Did not shoot well from the field, but he was a facilitator. And if you want, similar to the Denver series and similar to the Dallas series, if you want one guy to go off, then let him go off, but don't let those other people get involved. And Boston last night did the total opposite. They allowed Steph Curry to go off, and arguably Andrew Wiggins was his only primary backup option. And now for the Celtics, they got Pritchard even off the bench involved. We saw Daniel Tice, who I thought was unplayable in this series, hit a corner three-pointer. Derek White off the bench, of course. Man, the Celtics were locked and loaded last night, but even though Jaylen Brown and Jason Tatum didn't go off until that fourth quarter um, scoring-wise, they were able to facilitate the ball. And that's my concern here for this Boston team. They really swung the ball off those skip passes and it was undeniable to see. And Javi, this is the question I posed to you. Have you seen Jason, have you seen anyone since LeBron James that have really caused trouble for the Warriors in terms of this passing? I think arguably Luka Doncic was pretty good, but I think Jason Tatum was a really great passer last night.
1: Yeah. Jason Tatum was very underrated. Um, I think coming into this series final series, uh, Definitely what we learned from watching Boston Celtics is Tatum and Brown. um, They're not, you know, we know they're great scorers and they're pretty good defenders. Uh, One of the things that they've been trying to improve for both of them is more towards passing and assisting. So, you know, coming into this final series, I thought that part of the game plan would be just having those guys, you know, dribble up more and then getting those turnovers just how Miami did it in the Miami series, Uh, but they did a great job. Um, Tatum finished with 13 assists, Uh, Brown, you know, five assists, Uh, those guys combined for 18, 19 assists for the game. And that just made the difference Uh, for me. It's just those guys, you know, whether, you know, they didn't really shy in the moment uh, from the finals and they adjusted pretty well and made sure they find their guys to make those shots. Brandon.
0: Absolutely. And we got to talk about Steph Curry uh, having other guys needing to step up because last night, Steph Curry in the first quarter, 21.7 of nine, six for eight from beyond the arc with two assists and three rebounds. He had 21 points, of course, in that first quarter, a career high in an NBA finals quarter for Steph, but also an NBA record for most three-pointers in a single quarter. He did not score in the second quarter, though, Javi, and that's what Boston ultimately came back, took the lead at halftime, but Steph finished with 34 points, 12 of 25 from the field, 7 of 14 from three, five rebounds, five assists, and three steals. Really, his second main man was Andrew Wiggins, and Andrew Wiggins... He was going to be the question here. Can he still keep it up all postseason long? It's always next round after next round. Can Wiggins be consistent? And the answer is yes. He had 20 points last night for two-way wigs, 8 of 15, 2 for 2 from the free throw line, 5 rebounds, and 3 big blocks last night on the defensive end. Andrew Wiggins was great defensively uh, for moments last night, but also got caught in ball watching like the rest of the Golden State Warriors team in the fourth quarter. I would have liked them to hit more threes, though. Two for seven last night for Andrew Wiggins. What needs to come to fruition here for the Warriors to win in game two, Javi? Because Marcus Smart and Derek White really did stop Klay Thompson last night.
1: So I think, you know, Brandon, I like the game plan that we had in game one. Um, I know it ended up with a loss. Um, you know, we pretty much handled Boston Celtics through th- three quarters. Um, it's just that fourth quarter blimp that happened, the blitz, uh not sure, you know, what they can do for that. I think either you roll and die with that game plan and you just expect those guys, you know, do we expect Horford, Pritchard, uh, smart and, and White to continue making those shots, um, uh, wide open shots. Um, can they do that for the next three games? Um, that's a question that, you know, they either have to answer it or not. And, uh you know, I think what I offensively, what I want to see is Klay Thompson pool have to be more aggressive, uh, definitely on their offense. Um, you know, Curry had such a great impact, uh, but it was just ma- mainly Curry and Wiggins who were carrying the offensive load. And then we had guys like Porter Jr. Uh, making threes as well. Um, and Aguadala also was pretty good in this game with his limited time. So, what I want to see is definitely Pool and Thompson just be more aggressive, be more assertive. I'm not sure Pool, maybe it's just first finals experience. Um, you know whether that was a bit of the nerves or not. Um, definitely has to calm down a little bit. Uh, don't over dribble. Um, be part of the motion offense because you know one thing for we know this is the best defensive team in the NBA. So you know by over dribbling don't want to have those costly turnovers. And we did talk about a lot that the Warriors do turn over the ball. Um, I know it's part of the motion offense. It's common to turn over the ball. But like her said, they have to stop those careless passing, uh, Brandon.
0: Yeah, I think the turnovers really played a factor there only in the fourth quarter. When you take a look at it, the Warriors had 12 turnovers or um, 14 total turnovers, excuse me, last night, while the Boston Celtics had 12. But where you really see a discrepancy there is the points off the turnovers. Only a two turnover difference. Keep that in mind again. But the the Warriors only had 10 points off those turnovers, while Boston had 21 points off those turnovers. And heading into this series, my key that I always tweeted out um, on Twitter was that The Warriors need to push the pace in transition against the Boston Celtics because the Celtics, once they get that half-court defense set, it's basically – you're basically at their demise of, hey, they're going to try to shut down all the off-ball movement, and we saw them shut down Klay Thompson last night. And for Jordan Poole, too, like you said, Javi, stop dribbling it way too much. I mean, you saw a play where Jason Tatum picked his pocket in the end of the third quarter, got it to Jalen Brown for an easy layup – and that's what helped spark their run there at the end of the third and the start of the fourth. Four turnovers last night for Jordan Poole. You know, Boston's length and size was an issue for Jordan Poole last night, and that was true also against the Memphis Grizzlies. And a key here for the Celtics was shutting down Jordan Poole in game one. A couple podcasts ago, I talked about Jordan Poole's first two games, especially in game number one, where he sets the tone, sets the tempo, it helps the Warriors win game ones because of his explosive offense. Boston totally took that out of the line. But I want to talk about Draymond Green here too, Javi. Last night Draymond himself said that he missed a couple of bunnies post-game and that he was fine. This is where I'm gonna to have to disagree with you though, Javi, and dub nation. A lot of people said the Warriors played three great quarters and it ultimately only went bad in the fourth, but no. That end of the second quarter too, the Warriors collapsed there when Steph was out of the game, and also in that end of the third, too, they had to bring Steph Curry in after Boston went already on a 7 0 run to start the fourth quarter. So it's going to be crucial to how they play in the Steph minutes that he's off of the floor. But Draymond Green saying that the Warriors control the game for basically three quarters, I have to disagree with Draymond there. Draymond has to play better. And we'll get a little bit into Draymond Green here, Javi. What are your thoughts on Draymond Green? What what needs to change for him to have an impact in game two?
1: So for me, Brandon, uh, I always said this in in the podcast that for me, a Warriors guaranteed win is they have to out-rebound their opponents. Um, For me, that's always key because whether that's defensive rebounds, you limit the other opposition's team's offensive rebound for second chance points and in our offensive end we also accumulate offensive rebounds that lead to our second chance points such as Klay Thompson wide open threes, Curry wide open threes, Poole wide open threes or Wiggins easy dunks to the basket uh for this for the first game Brandon uh shockingly we tied with Boston we both teams finish 39 rebounds Golden State Warriors finish with 39 rebounds um, so for me, they have to definitely out-rebound Boston, uh, get all those second-chance points that they can get. Um, so for me, that's one of the key areas that I want to see uh, Draymond definitely improve. Uh, he had 11 rebounds, but for me, Draymond, Looney, uh, Otto Porter Jr., all those three guys especially, or even the guards, Thompson, Curry, they have to chip in on some reboundings, uh, let definitely keep Boston away from the rim
0: yeah like you said reboundings are going to come whether it's misses you know your rebounding numbers are going to go up if there's a lot more misses the offensive rebounding numbers last night though were in favor of the Warriors 12 to 7 and Kevon Looney had six of those 12 offensive rebounds last night six of his nine total rebounds were on the offensive end and I forgot to mention Kevon Looney stepping up last night too we know how he is um On those gritty grinds, you know, you don't see that on the stat line, as we always say, the cliche with Draymond, and you see it with Looney last night. So I just want to credit Kevon Looney. He has a terrific series, of course, since game six of that Memphis series, now game one of the NBA Finals, giving second-chance opportunities. And it was the first play of this game on the Warriors' end where Steph missed a three. He grabbed an O-board, kicked it back to Steph, and hit the three-pointer to put the Warriors up. And once that set the tempo early, I knew Kevon Kevon Looney is somebody that I'm not – Going to be worried about um, here on the on the offensive rebounding end, and also on the defensive end too. Last night we saw Marky Smart drive by him on one of those plays, and I think with a lob threat like Robert Williams the third and an Al Horford, that forward center combination that Boston have, Boston has is what troubles the Golden State Warriors when it's that horns action where one one big rolls to the basket and the other pops out. We saw that with Robert Williams going to the basket, being a lob threat and freeing up Al Horford. And when it's a two-man game for Boston with a guard in Horford, you know Horford's going to pop back out. So if you're Draymond or in the next game, if you put Kevon Looney on Al Horford, which I like a lot better, and put Draymond either Tatum or Brown, like I said earlier, I think that's going to be a better matchup for Kevon Looney. He has a switch ability, and I think he can guard Al Horford.
1: Yeah, I agree too. I don't. I I prefer Looney out in the you know, have having to be man coverage on Al Horford. Um, for me, Draymond definitely. You know whether whether or not we don't know for game one, but for me, Draymond definitely has to be instrumental for game two. I thought his his game was really off. Um, uh, you know and looking at the stats he had like a decent game especially on rebounding he led the team in rebounding but one thing that I did notice is his loss of concentration whether you know we don't we did on the offensive end especially you know we were used to seeing Draymond you know dictating the offense with his passing um, down the post and creating plays but in this game you know I'm not sure what it was whether that's the Boston Celtics bigs and you know, the wing defenders, you know, being quick. But yeah, Draymond for game one, definitely the passing could be better. Uh, There's a lot of careless turnovers. Um, And on the defensive end, you know, there's a lot going on. So definitely we need to see a better Draymond for game two. Um, You know, for me, I'm looking at Draymond and Clay Thompson. Those two guys, having been to the finals, they definitely need a clutch up in game two. Um, And if they do, then... I think they'll have a better chance in game two compared to game one.
0: Yeah, and there was an article put out this morning by uh, Golden State of Mind's Joe Veray. I I suggest you guys to follow him for film breakdowns. He's great um, all through it, all season long. And this morning he put an article talking about Draymond Green last night. And Javi, normally a lot of teams have Draymond sagged off because you dare him to shoot the three-pointer. But the difference last night was the defense – on Draymond Green when he was a passer when because we know that Draymond Green is the orchestra or is the leader of this he conducts the train for this Warriors offense he's the quarterback right and normally once Draymond Green is you know trying to make that pass whether it's floppy action right pin downs whether it's Curry Poole uh, Thompson coming off of those screens last night Al Horford did a great job of being in front of him and contesting him. And Joe Verre breaks this down. And not a lot of teams do that for Draymond Green. They only leave him open to shoot that shot. But if you leave him open, he has all that space in front of him to make the pass. And the difference last night was that when Draymond Green took those open threes, it was only late in the shot clock. So the Celtics defense was able to wind down the clock. And put it to the final seven sec- seconds. And Draymond Green had to shoot the three pointer. There wasn't a lot of early threes on the shot clock for Draymond Green because that suffocating defense in front of his face. That's what also, I think, limited his ability to pass it to Clay Thompson and why Clay Thompson was shut down last night. So the Warriors need to adjust on Draymond Green being the orchestra or the conductor of the train for the Warriors in game two.
1: Yeah, I agree too. Um... Definitely, uh, you know, this is the, you know, the Boston. They're 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 really great defensive team. Um, you know, we we saw Memphis. You know, very physical, very tough on defense. But this Boston team is totally different. They're they're they can be physical, but the way they play defense, very much more smart. Uh, the way they play and. You know, uh, compared to Memphis, this Boston team, they're especially their key role players, they're they kind of do lock in on defense. Um, and so that's that's probably an issue too for the Warriors. Um, it's just the length, the speed, the height of Boston does affect a lot in the offensive schemes. Um uh, but we'll see. I think uh there's a lot to look at the film. Um um uh, whether, you know, that's Using the triangle offense or different types of offense to give more open looks. Uh, I'll be interesting to see uh, what type of adjustments Kerr is going to make for game two.
0: Yeah, and Javier, last night I texted you once they were sagging off Steph early on, whether Clay and it's off those switches. Um, when, the, when the screen comes uh, on ball is when they have that slither of space, right? That moment that you can just let it fly for the shooters, whether it's Poole, Poo, Curry, or Thompson. I know the Warriors aren't a team that likes to shoot it early on in the shot clock unless they're in transition. But I think when they give you that space, don't hesitate. you got to let it fly. you got the two best shooters, three really good shooters, if you add Jordan Poole, of being able to knock down the three. And I hope the Warriors hesitate less Off of those switches when Boston is trying to bump and stunt and hard hedge, once you have that open space, I just say, let it fly there. And for Klay Thompson last night, he took a lot of shots last night, six of 14 overall, but a lot of those shots were contested. And that's for Klay Thompson. We told him ever since he's come in, since his injury, his shot making decisions have been suspect. And a lot of one-legged fadeaways, he hit some of them last night, but we want him to take the most opportunistic, easy off those screen pin downs uh coming off those screens for clay thompson to knock and be more comfortable because clay thompson last night tried to go iso and we've seen it in the playoffs once he tries to go iso we know he's going to drive it sometime or most of the time and he's going to get his shot blocked by al horford or robert williams the third last night and that's exactly what happened
1: yeah i agree brandon i think uh clay his tendency is to isolate more in this postseason. Um, probably like to see more of the Warriors pass more of the ball. Um, you know, I like Wiggins too, the way he attacked for game one. Uh he kept being aggressive and assertive. Um, he didn't really care if it was Brown or Tatum on him, but he continued to be aggressive. So it'll be interesting. Uh, you know, I want to see how they adjust for Thompson. Um, whether that's whether that's him coming down from pin downs uh, be interesting too if, you know, possibly seeing Thompson paired up with Jordan Poole in some minutes as well. Um, and then we could break it down later, but you know, I think the biggest X factor that so far we're not still sure whether he's available or not, or or you know, what's current adjustment for game two is uh Gary Payton is another player we need to talk about. Um know be interested to see you know how he plays into the Warriors
0: yeah I I agree 100% and last night we saw Otto Porter Jr. and Andre Iguodala play great minutes off of the bench especially Otto Porter Jr. four of five and all of his shots last night came out of the way of the three-point line 12 points for Otto last night four rebounds and Andre Iguodala great there in his 12 minutes seven points and Three assists, and immediately once Andre Iguodala came into the game, he got hit immediately down low. And we'll talk more about this on the flip side there for Gary Payton second. And Andre Iguodala, Otto Porter Jr., you really got to be careful with those two guys. And those guys, Javi, are old, right? Otto Porter Jr. is dealing with that left foot injury. Andre Iguodala with that left disc injury as well. You really got to limit those guys, because if you lose one of those, then basically you're even at a more disadvantage that the series is basically over. And last night, Gary Payton, the second was available, but Steve Kerr did not play him because I think he wasn't fully ready right, to come into it after being out for a month, uh, exactly a month today, since he fractured his elbow from Dylan Brooks. So I think the high low um, for the Golden State Warriors is what's going to be key here. In game number two, when I mentioned how do you get Draymond Green involved early and not let Al Horford or other defenders be up all in his face, all in his space in order to make the correct pass like the quarterback that he is? Well, get him in a high-low situation. We saw Steph – Get that on-ball screen last night from Draymond Green. Draymond rolls to the middle, and Andre Iguodala cuts down low. I think when Gary Payton II is available, he really changes the series because GP2, Andre Iguodala on the left and right block, both cutting in, one of them going off of each other, maybe even popping out for a three-pointer to get more spacing, that's going to be crucial to the Warriors getting points down low, and early on, the Warriors, in the Memphis series and in the Dallas series dominated the points in the paint last night. They really didn't because of the suffocating interior of the Boston Celtics and Robert Williams, the third.
1: Yeah, I agree, Brandon, definitely. Um, you know, w- w- Warriors definitely do a lot of damage on the paint. Um, and that's uh, the Boston Celtics. One of their biggest X factor is Robert Williams. Uh, definitely his rim protection comes in mind. Um, so, um, you know, he's, he's not playing the full 30 minutes. Um, He played 24 minutes um, last night, but you know, there, and he's just a gifted athlete. He could really, you know, run out to the line and come back to the rim to protect it. So there's definitely, there's some couple plays where definitely they, they had Curry isolate on, on Robert Williams. And it'll be interesting to see if they, they'll, they'll still continue to target him, make him come out of the, the paint and come out to the perimeter so probably that's one possibly a game plan something to explore in game two Uh, but I do agree too with the way Gary Payton and Andre Iguodala uh, cut into the basket especially you know those plays where Curry and Draymond are playing with each other through passing movements and screens I think uh, definitely you know those are key plays to exploit Boston's interior defense um and i think it'll be interesting to, su- to see if whether Gary Payton does play for game 2 um one of my b- biggest things is you know does Steve Kerr still roll with Jordan Poole uh Jordan Poole we all know he's a great player on offense uh defensively for this series i just don't think he Unless he's making his shots, Brandon, for this final series, I'm not sure if if he's worth, you know, having on the floor just because of his defensive liability. Um, You know, last night I did see a lot of plays where Boston definitely did target Jordan Poole on mismatches, uh, especially with Jalen Brown. So it'll be interesting to see whether Kurt, you know, whether he gives pulls, you know, minutes to Gary Payton uh, not sure, but that's probably a hot topic to see whether that happens or not.
0: Yeah, I agree with you there 100%. I don't know if you remember this, Javi, but late in the game, uh, the Celtics forced it. Uh, there was a mismatch for Andre Iguodala on Peyton Pritchard late in the game, and Iguodala tried a fadeaway uh, shot there in the paint, similar to what Sean Livingston would do back in the days. And I think if the Warriors tried to target one guy, on the Boston Celtics, right, Um, if Peyton Pritchard is in the game, I'd like to see uh, a lot of Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins had a lot of great isolation plays last night in which he hit the step-back jumper, um, was able to spin down to the lane. I want to see the ball in Andrew Wiggins' hand more, and I think he needs to limit his uh, three-point shots if he starts off slow like he did last night, finished two of seven. From beyond the arc, Andrew Wiggins one-on-one down low in the paint, and his fadeaway shots have been clutched. So maybe the Warriors go to a lot more of Andrew Wiggins there uh, off of Steph Curry, especially if Klay Thompson is being shut down. But uh, the point I want to make here is Al Horford, right, he's a stretch big, can knock it down from beyond the arc. I think if you see limited minutes of Nemanja Bjelica, I know he's a defensive liability. And talking about liabilities last night, Jordan Poole was too, no doubt about it. But if you want to contest and put a stretch big to spread the floor more, Nemanja Bjelica couldn't combat Al Horford's stretch ability on the Celtics end. And that matchup, I know Al Horford uh, can still drive to the paint a lot better then Bielitsa and Bielitsa could get burned on those plays. But it's it's a risk and reward. Do you want the Florida to open up more with Bielitza being able to knock down the three-pointer? And we saw big minutes from Bielitsa in the closeout game number five against the Dallas Mavericks.
1: Yeah, Brandon, uh, that's a good point. Uh, Bielitsa definitely. Uh, and I still think Jordan Poole could you know, do some of that in terms of the shooting, provide the offense. It's just, you know, whether he's consistent or not. But, yeah, definitely we had, you know, I still think offensively if, you know, aside from Curry, Wiggins, Otto Porter, uh, Andre Guaduala, you know, I thought we needed like that other guy, you know, like another guy making those shots, shooting, providing the offensive punch. um, um, And who knows, maybe maybe having Bielita come in and stretch the floor opens up more of the offense. Uh, I also think, you know, the way Boston plays their defense, uh, you know, if you pay close attention, you know, usually they really hammer on, on, you know, shooting. I think, you know, I don't have the stats, but I think they actually rank number one on um, in the NBA for uh, defensive, you know, on defense, on shooting. I think they limit teams really low on shooting percentages. But the way they defend is they really do limit you on threes. And then they have that that extra, you know, plan B on Robert Williams just protecting the rim. So I wonder if they could exploit Boston defense by, you know, some of the mid-range. I did notice, you know, we had some success in the mid-range during this game, whether that was Wiggins uh occasionally isolating. The mid range. We saw Curry pulled out Robert Williams to the perimeter and hitting a mid range on him. Um, saw a bit of Klay Thompson also going for fadeaways. So I'm kind of interesting to see whether the Warriors could possibly exploit Boston's defense by hitting the mid range if Boston is giving them space just underneath the three point line. You know whether we adjust and definitely you know start hitting some of those mid range to open up our offense and shooting.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's a great point. And like you said, Javi, in a zone, like in a zone, the key is to being able to attack the middle, right? Have two feet in the paint off those drives and being able to kick it out. And that's exactly what Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum did last night. And you say one-on-one isos, Jason Tatum, but especially Jalen Brown last night on those one-on-one isos, he cooked whoever was in front of him. And I think the key here. Uh, moving into game number two, I would not be surprised if Steve Kerr executes a box-in-one on Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum, or maybe even a triangle-in-two and trying to limit uh, Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum, but hear me out. If you go box and one on Jason Tatum, and he's the one guy that you box-out, And you put Gary Payton the second in the game or Andrew Wiggins, right? Limit him from getting the ball and trying to create the play and force Jalen Brown to drive and attack to you because we know Jalen Brown suspect handles there when you build a wall on him getting those turnovers. So I would not be surprised if Steve Kerr throws a box and won a few times there in game number two. But also, my key to game number two is being able to attack in transition. I'll say this once again. Warriors pushed the patient transition. Early on, there was this play that Steph Curry went out on the break. Clay Thompson faded to the corner or faded to the wing there on the left hand side, was able to knock down a three pointer. And there's a lot of plays too, Javi, in the Boston Celtics where they run Al Horford on delay action. And exactly if you don't know what that is, a delay similar to Draymond Green, you're jogging up the court jogging up the court there, trying to set up your half-court offense. You know, you basically kick it in, and the trailer is Al Horford. He just crossed half-court, and he's open from beyond the arc and just nails down the straightaway three. A lot of threes there from Al Horford last night just came off of delay sets. And if the Warriors want to run that with a Bielica off the bench or Draymond Green going for a high-low, I think that can benefit the Warriors for game two.
1: Yeah, I think they'll look at – I agree with you, Brandon. I think they'll look at game footage. I, there's a lot of areas where I think they could possibly find mismatches. Al Horford is one of them. Uh, uh, definitely can target Al Horford. Um, um, you know, we did talk about Peyton Pritchard whether, when he comes in as well. You know, just having either Clay or, or Wiggins isolating on Pritchard or the smaller guys. Um, and then uh, I want to see them to be more aggressive, Brandon. Um, you know, I know we're not a big free-throwing team, um, but, you know, last night, Boston were very aggressive. They, they attempted 16 free-throws, made 13, and, you know, we were around similar marks to 15 with 11 made free-throws. But I want to see us do kind of have that second cushion, Brandon, and get into more in the free-throw uh, attack the paint, um, you know, sometimes we won't get those calls, sometimes we will, but just having that extra cushion of security, uh, with just being on the bonus late in stretch games definitely helps either slow down the tempo of Boston going in a surge. I, I honestly thought if we had kind of attacked more the paint and get more to their free throw line, I think we would have adjusted in that fourth quarter of slowing the tempo down when Boston does go on a run like that.
0: Yeah, I I agree a hundred percent. And Javi, you know it's only game number one. And the one time I'll agree with LeBron James ever is when he said um, taking on the Golden State Warriors in the NBA Finals game game ones are feel out games, right? And last night Draymond said it's not the first to one, right? It's the first to win four games, and it was just one game. And like you mentioned, Dub Nation Warriors fans. If you root for the Golden State Warriors, it's not time to panic yet. Sure, it was a historic collapse there, and it's the first playoff loss in Chase Center history, and we'll never get that out of our system. We'll always remember this game. But like you said, you got to watch the film, and even me this morning just watching a couple minutes of a couple of plays, there was a lot that the Warriors can improve on, and I trust Steve Kerr and his ability to adjust against this Boston Celtics team, Javi. Let's give, give me your, uh, ta- not your takeaways, but your keys here in game number two in order for the Warriors to tie this series up.
1: So for me, bo- uh, Warriors have to out-rebound Boston, uh, be more aggressive, get those second uh, chance points, make those second chance points. Uh, I want to also seeing them pace up the game, uh, especially in transition, whether getting turnovers from Boston Celtics and, making them pay um, on the transition. And I want to see also being more aggressive in the rim. Uh, I know Wiggins was one of the ones that were being aggressive, but we, we do have to try to get into the free throw line, get in the bonus uh, on offense and on defense. I mean, I mean, there's still a lot for defense. Uh, there's a lot of different game plans they could work out, whether that's zone, um you know, or not, it'll be interesting. I kind of agree with you. I think we talked earlier last night that, you know, we did see a lot of zone coverage in this game, but they were making their three. So I wonder if they're going to play man coverage for game two. But for me, those are the main key takeaways uh, for me, to for Warriors to get a successful win um, for game two. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah, I agree with you 100%, Javi. The Warriors, I think the key defensively here is trying to have an answer for the Boston Celtics when they come off a two-man game. Uh, they move the low guy to the opposite side and they play a two-man game at the wing, whether it's Jalen Brown and Al Horford or uh, Jason Tatum and Robert Williams the third, and Marcus Smart, too. I think Al Horford and Marcus Smart off the ball were great last night, especially Al Horford picking and popping with a two-man game. and. Off the horns action, Marcus Smart has the ability to pass it and swing it. The Warriors really need to do a much better job on closing out is the emphasis, you know, try to make it more difficult on the Celtics shooters. Don't leave that much of an open room. And I think Steve Kerr will play more aggressive there in game number two. And that's going to be Draymond Green too, being able to play more aggressive on the defensive end. Whether you move the 2-3 zone up or the 1-2-2 zone a little bit up, like I said earlier, move the low man to the center of the key and get in the passing lanes like the Miami Heat did early on in the first two games of that series against the Boston Celtics. I think they're going to throw a lot of different looks here. And I think Steve Kerr needs to take a page out of the book of Nick Nurse in the 2019 NBA Finals and throw a lot of different defensive looks against this Boston Celtics team. We knew coming in this would be the most most matchup problems the Warriors would see all season long, and it was evident there in game number one. The Warriors had to win this game four times. And ultimately, they did in the first three times. But when it came down to the fourth quarter, trying to win that lead back, they weren't able to do it, and that's credit to the Boston Celtics because the team up by 15 points, a lot of teams would lay down in bed and, let's say, put the page over to game number two. The Celtics do not do that. The Celtics are a team that is troublesome, and I I personally was really confident coming into this series that the Warriors would execute on all of their opportunities, and they almost did, but that fourth quarter really plagued them there last night, of course, and I had the Warriors in five here. I don't think that's going to happen anymore. I see this going potentially to even a seven-game series. But I'm going to stick to my prediction. I think if you can't, you can't move back now, Javi, after you've made a prediction. So I think the Warriors can get it done here in game number two. They really got to come out swinging, though. Again, like you said, coming into this, Javi, the Warriors or the Celtics are now 8-2 on the road in playoff games. Boston is 5-4 and four at the TD Garden. A lot of people say it's a hostile environment. It's hard to play in. But I really do believe, Javi, the Warriors can steal one game there down in Boston.
1: For me, Brandon, my prediction, uh, you know, I said it before coming into the series, uh, I said Warriors in five. Uh, and for me, it, it you know, it could be a longer series. I just, you know, for me, I thought this first game was going to be pretty rough. Um, it was going to be a 50-50 game. Just wasn't sure whether the long rest – the Warriors Scott was going to hamper them a little bit of being fatigued. Um, and then Boston Celtics too, you know, they played already two seven game series. So they definitely have logged in about three, maybe four extra games And the Warriors have played all postseason, So that factors into, uh, you know, the longer the series goes, you know, does Boston have enough gas in the tank and legs to stay with the Warriors? Um, so for me, I don't know. I could see it, it really does depend, but it's game two. I just need to see the, the game plan, the adjustments they're going to make. Um, you know, if I really do think that they play a great game two, um, they found the answers to the problems that Boston gave them. You know, who knows, possibly Warriors could steal two games at, at the Garden, you know, at, at, at Boston, you know, home court, uh, and still finish in game five. Um, you know, with the title. But it's interesting uh, for me. My biggest question mark, too, for Boston is, you know, if if Horford and Pritchard and White are going to continue shooting it, like how they did in game one, we're going to lose the NBA finals. If they could do that in three more games, then, you know, that's great for them. Boston will win. So it'll be interesting to see if those three key guys – keep shooting it, um, and if they'll bring that in game two.
0: Yeah, I think Boston is going to shoot the ball well, continue to shoot the ball well from the three-point line. I don't think, though, that they're going to shoot the way that they did in the fourth quarter, 75% from three and 68% from the field in the fourth. I think Boston is going to continue to hit threes. We're going to have to adjust on that note. And that's it, Javi. This is this episode – of the Warriors 24-7 podcast. We'll have to see how the Warriors adjust for game two. It's going to be Sunday in San Francisco, again, on ABC. This time, though, a 5 o'clock tip in San Francisco, an hour earlier. And the Warriors are going to have a chance to tie it at one game apiece, a key game number two. Teams that win game number one have won the NBA finals, 70% of the time. And if the Warriors are down two zero, then it's going to be hard to come back from, but we've seen the Warriors um, themselves have a 31 lead and Cleveland came back. So a two Oh deficit is not impossible to come back from. It'll be an uphill battle, but we just want to say thank you to all our listeners every single week. Javi, some news for you too. Um, of course, we're gonna, as I said a couple episodes ago, we're gonna have a new podcast here, my own personal one. It's gonna call, it's gonna be called Strength and Numbers, coming very soon. Honestly, might come out next week. So this potentially could be the last Warriors twenty four seven that I'll be hosting. Cyrus could hop on back into this ep, uh into this podcast. So make sure to follow me on Twitter at BKD zero for updates and follow the Warriors twenty four seven pod. And the network at Warriors 247 Pod and Warriors 24 Pod. But make sure to hit follow on Dubs um, or Strength and Numbers. Search that up on Twitter. That's the new podcast coming out. And until next week, Dubs looking to tie it up again. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, this episode and this show is presented by Bet Online.